Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that simply does not have the energy to think of a new intro this week, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the mentor of the meek herself, Emma. How are you getting on this week? I'm tired, but okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm just spending, I spent like last week and this week just cramming in work before my vacation. Mm-hmm. because content still needs to go up when I'm on vacation, so I'm just cramming a lot in between now and then. Yeah. Um, as for content this week, it's a pretty light one just because I'm scheduling stuff for when I'm away. So oh. I've got Mono Red and Boris Burn as my modern on a budget this week because the deck's really yes. good and it's really cheap because it doesn't use Modern Horizons cards. What a coincidence. Yeah. Outside of Magic, I've been playing some of the N64 Classic stuff on the Switch, um, such as Star Fox 64, which is a favourite of mine, um, and I just casually reminded how terrible Slippy is, but yeah, it's been a pretty uh, low-key week, so I've just had my head down in work mode. How mm. about you? Yeah, I'm I'm okay. Uh, I could be better, but you know, could also be worse. Um, I did mention last week that I was feeling under the weather. And turns out that two days later, I tested positive for COVID. Hey. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I've been mostly fine, though. Like, I've just been really low energy. Like, right now, I'm awake, like, maybe, like, three, four hours, and I already want to go to bed. And I've just been, like, coughing on and off, feeling a bit warm. But it's also just been warm here, and, you know, we don't yeah. have aircon here, so I can't tell if it's me with a fever or just the atmosphere <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> yeah. but you know otherwise i've just been stuck in the apartment here i'm honestly losing my mind like i didn't go out a whole lot because i was trying to be good and responsible like that's basically what i've been doing this entire pandemic but i feel like i'm missing even just being able to go around the corner to the shop just to pick up like some chocolate or something you know yeah, yeah it's not great we'll but go for a walk just to take the sun in for like 10 minutes yeah yeah the, the little yeah. things I get that. Yeah, like, I tried to go out in the balcony yesterday just to spend a couple of minutes out in the sun, just, you know, finally get some, like, exposure. And I had to go inside after a minute because the apartment directly below us is the ground floor apartment, and they have, like, a little area at the back, and they very regularly have charcoal barbecues in an apartment block. Of course. So I got, I just got choked out of it and had to go inside, and now the apartment smells like smoke, so... Lovely. Yay. Yeah. Consider it. Yeah, next time they do it, I'm just pouring a jug of water over the balcony yeah. into the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> um, but, that aside, my magic article this week is actually about five classic commanders that are getting reprinted in Double Masters 2022 and how they've been steadily actually getting better over time. They're not really seeing much play and they're not really getting explored that much just because they're not one of the flashy new commanders that are being released in every set, you know? So, that's live on Card Kingdom now. So, you can read that after the show. I am also, despite still being a little bit sick, like I'm on the tail end of it, but I am really psyched for this coming weekend because I'm going to be at Command Fest Birmingham. I'll be fully recovered by the time you actually even listen to this episode, to be honest. And I'll have a little bit of immunity for the event. You know, I'll still be masking regardless, you know. But if you are going, if you're listening to this, if you're going and you see me, be sure to stop by and say hi. Outside of Magic, though, I have not been doing a whole lot else. I've just been too tired. Leanne and I did watch and get fully up to date with Stranger Things, though, which was very, very good. We both want to fight the Duffer Brothers for the choices that they made writing this season, though. Absolutely. Not happy with the outcome for a couple of reasons. I'm not going to spoil anything, but, you know. Other than that, yeah, not much. Just honestly just been sitting around feeling fat and sassy and just (laughs) eating snacks, you know. That's an eternal mood. (laughs) 
If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, my card of the week this week. I've got a nice one for you. This actually came from my good friend Jamie Coyle, who's also a patron and a member of my regular playgroup. That card is Protection Racket, right? So it's two and a black for an enchantment that reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, repeat the following process for each opponent in turn order. Reveal the top card of your library. That player may pay life equal to that card's mana value. If they do, exile that card. Otherwise, put it into your hand. So this is essentially like a sort of triple Phyrexian Arena Dark Confidant reversed sort of thing where your opponents can pay life to prevent you from getting extra cards. Now, what this tells me is that, like, you basically will never get a land off of this because your opponents will just pay zero and you just don't get it. Or maybe they'll feel nice, and they will. Who knows? You know, it depends on how nice you are. But it just reads really, really well. Like, you're either whittling your opponents down or you're forcing them to give you cards. And, you know, that seems pretty good. You know, like, Phyrexian Arena sees a good bit of play. It's still a very, very good card. This gives you a chance of getting up to three cards a turn. Now, I know that technically you could get none, but then you're probably also punching your opponent in the face or getting rid of lands. So, overall, like, I see this as just being a very, very good solid card. It's $2.65 at the moment, according to Scryfall. That feels like a great rate for this. Like, I would choose this over Phyrexian Arena in most decks, I think, because I'll likely get something off of it, and I'm not paying life myself. So, yeah. This one might go in Tasha, actually. I really like the look of this card. Yeah, it feels like slightly political, sort of, as well, I think. Yeah. All right. Now, this week, like I said, I've got to be honest with you. I am very low energy right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently, like, I I have my arms wrapped around the back of the seat that I'm on in in an attempt to, like, keep me sitting upright. Um, I I just want to lie down all the time. (laughs) But... No, we're still doing an episode. No, it's it's not that bad. I'm making it sound worse than it is. But we have a couple of little things that we just want to sort of cover and touch on and stuff. We didn't want to skip this week's episode because, you know, like I, I personally, I feel fine, but I'm just like zonked constantly. Brain um, fog. Yeah, yeah. Big time brain fog, like all week. I've been sitting here getting really frustrated at cards on my desk, right? I was trying to convert Sir Conrad into an artisan deck so that I could take the other cards out and use it for something else. And I was looking at the cards for an hour being like what am i replacing these with what am i doing and then like me getting visibly frustrated in the end being like are you okay and i'm like yeah. no i'm trying to change these cards and i just i just can't uh, it's been it's been it's been an experience but with that said i like didn't want to leave another episode especially with what's coming up soon we'll, we'll get to that in a moment but first of all we do want to cover one thing that was announced this week which is the pioneer pre-cons so, we're getting Pioneer Challenger decks again. Hooray. We've gotten these before. Very happy to see them. The ones that we're getting are Orzov Humans, Is It Phoenix, 
Pioneer Gruel Stompy and Pioneer Demir Control. I don't know why they felt the need to add the word Pioneer to the yeah, last two and not the first two. Yeah, it's down the side of the, the packaging, so I don't understand. Yeah. There must be an error somewhere. Like, yeah. It's like double Pioneer, just to make sure that you can't play this in standard. Yeah. Not that people play tabletop standard anyway, but... Yeah, like, if you read the packaging with all the words that are on it, it says Magic the Gathering Pioneer Challenger Deck Pioneer Demir Control. Like, (laughs) some of those words are not necessary, you know? Uh But it is great to see because, well, first of all, they're pushing Pioneer as a premier competitive format anyway. So it is really, really great to then also see them putting out precons for it as well. Because so many people, I think this is so clever. This is one of the cleverest things that I think Watsi have done in a long, long time. Because people are now, you can see them, you've experienced this. People are turning to Pioneer and being like, oh, can I make a deck for this? Or what What about that? Or, you know, what are we, what can I do? Is there like a Jund equivalent? Or like, can I do a control deck or whatever? And... People are like doing the usual, you know, they're suggesting like, oh, pick up one or two of the challenger decks or whatever, you can upgrade them or just build mono red or build mono blue spirits or something. Whereas now, like throwing these four decks into the fray as well means that you've so many great options to start with because like we don't have the deck list for these yet, but these are legitimate decks within the format. So yeah, I'd like these are going to be great starts. Absolutely. Yeah, especially now with the RCQ, so like the Pro Tour qualifiers dying, and a lot of those yep. are pioneer as like the chosen format for those RCQs. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can buy a challenger deck and compete in those RCQs and probably do quite well, or mm-hmm. upgrade it and still do quite well. So the fact that yeah. there's this accessibility, so you can play pioneer and get competitive, it's there. I'm quite yeah. excited to see what the deck lists are because historically there's always been some money cards in these. Like, yeah. I hope Meat Hook Massacres in uh, Demir Control, for example. And I hope would like to are, see, like, yeah. a Steam Vents or some Spire Bluff Canals in Iza Phoenix, for example, because they're getting quite expensive. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Yeah. I'm not expecting to see Ledger Shredder or Temporal Trespass in that build because no. they were sort of, like, newer things. But if we don't see Four Phoenix and Four Thing in the Ice, I'm going to be raising, yeah. like, massive eyebrows. Interesting like, also how? to see if Expressive Iteration's in here because you can still play it if the deck's complete, as in the Challenger deck's complete, if we're going back from the standard one where you could play yeah. Face of Havens. So it'd be interesting to see if they've kept those because obviously it was only banned a few months ago. Yeah, the, like, the only, the only concern I have there is, like, while Expressive Iteration is ridiculous the rest of the deck even if there is a playset in there the rest of the deck is not going to be optimized because it never is so do you go for just like really good card advantage or do you just build a proper deck (laughs) not 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 proper you know what i mean like a a more up-to-date version but now it'll be interesting to see if iterations in there given like the timeline Mm. of things but now i'm a big fan of these just because it just gives people an opportunity to play pioneer more affordably and i'd love to see some modern ones once again yeah like just even saying. a little more like 75 dollars to 100 dollars and just have like a semi-competitive modern deck and yep. just yeah that'd be great i think people would snap that up if there were modern decks pre-cons that were you know say let's say 80 percent complete and they were like 150 dollars that would be a win in my books like yeah like they do it's not the best win pre-cons. but it would be great like win. you got yeah you got these warhammer like signature editions of commander decks like what's stopping you from doing like a modern one for that price like people yeah. would snap it up and just add like some mh2 cards and some staples absolutely i think they're probably just gonna stay focused on pioneer for the time being but you Makes know sense. like yeah now we were mentioning a couple of minutes ago about 
things coming up this month and stuff. There are a few things happening. First of all, like I mentioned already, I'm going to be at Command Fest Birmingham from next weekend. That is going to be me out of the picture for a whole episode. Actually, is this... It's not the first time this happened. The second episode No, because ever? the first time your internet died and it was mm. Max and I, as in Max Make Magic and I recorded and yes. I hosted because your internet... Well, your internet provider was terrible because it was on a Sunday yes. and they weren't going to fix it on a Sunday. I remember now. It was down for like two to two or three days straight. That's um, it, yeah. In the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, not a great time to have no entertainment or... Outside connection whatsoever but yeah so this is going to be the second ever episode that i won't be on which feels really weird uh to me like this like for me sundays is like wake up like do a bit of a fry up like some bacon some scrambled eggs that kind of thing some toast maybe some hash browns and then like sit down uh watch something with leanne and then get the show notes ready that has been every single sunday since what 2020 sometime yeah <laughs> like, like 100 it, episodes ago <laughs> Yeah, yeah, roughly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be happening. Uh, you're then going to be on your vacation. So, just a quick timeline of how things are going to happen. So, the next recording, so episode 102, is going to be myself and a guest. And then the mm-hmm. next three episodes after that is going to be Scott and with a guest or multiple guests. We need to mm-hmm. like, iron out the rest of the details. Because I'm in America going on vacation, yeah. um, so I'm going to miss three episodes and those guests will talk different topics about magic. They're going to bring something different to the table, like what Scott did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to not see each other for a month, just having our own little time away and commitments. Going to be weird. Going to be very mm. weird. We were talking about like maybe like dropping a week or two or something and just having like a summer break or something. But, you know, like we don't want to have a big gap or anything like that. You know, it's... I suppose we're too committed to the content, I guess. I think the only time <laughs> I would like a break is Christmas, because it makes the most sense, because everyone, yeah. everyone's kind of off for Christmas anyway. In the summer, it's, you know, yeah. it's the summer. Yeah, you're, you're, you're hardly listening to, like, you know, budget brews and stuff on, uh, you know, Christmas, sitting at home. Yeah. I don't know, may- maybe you need that escapism from your folks, like, well, I don't know. Yeah, like, maybe. It doesn't sound too far-fetched to me now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> But um, yes, we'll also, also to celebrate 100 episodes, we will be doing a giveaway from the 18th of July onwards. Keep an eye out on our Twitter at the BMcast because you could win something nice. Let me tell you, there's a couple of nice bits there. Some Some very nice goodies on the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is going to be a bit of a challenging month because there is a bit of like back and forth and stuff. I'm still going to be editing next week's uh, episode but like er- everything is sort of just a bit all over the place and when you're used to something being so like that like uh, like such a routine and everything is sort of in place and planned out and it's so structured for you then to have it just sort of flap around a little bit it can be a bit messy but yeah we'll make sure that it doesn't look like that from the other, from the the listener side i guess <laughs> i will do my best to not give you more work next weekend <laughs> or next week fingers crossed keep the episode fingers as short crossed. as possible please Oh, we'll do. <laughs> Tell your guests not to say ums. Uh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> now, honestly, that's roughly what we just wanted to talk about in this episode. Like, just a quick update kind of thing. Also, like I said, I'm really tired. But... Tired. I Yeah, yeah. But, like, I didn't want to leave the episode without providing, like, some sort of value and stuff before we get to the Q&A. So, I have put together a list of five cards that I have played with a lot recently and I have been very impressed by. Let me tell you, extremely, extremely impressive 
performances from these cards. So let me just run through them very quickly. First one. I think I mentioned this possibly as a card of the week before, but Public Enemy. Two and a blue for an enchantment aura, enchant creature, and it says all creatures attack enchanted creatures controller each combat if able, and when enchanted creature dies, draw a card. So the first time I got to cast this was on Jarvis Moonbeam stream. I put it on his Sun Titan, and everybody had to attack into that. The reason I put it on the Sun Titan was because it was the biggest creature on the battlefield, and no matter what it blocked, it couldn't die. So everybody <laughs> kept having to attack yeah. Jarvis repeatedly. And eventually Jarvis had to kill his own Sun Titan. And then I drew a card off of it. And he lost like 25 life. So <laughs> Seems it felt pretty good for three mana, let me tell you. It's like super goad. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Every single time that it has hit the board since, it has felt a little bit pointed. Not quite mean, but a little bit pointed like I'm making a problem. And I'm directing it at you in particular, player whose mm. creature I'm enchanting. But... It has just felt really, really strong. Like, really strong. People have been forced to either, like, trade their creature with something else, in which case I get a card, or kill it themselves, or use enchantment removal to blow it up. It has been fantastic every single time. It has taxed opponents. It has caused some really, really hairy combat. It's phenomenal. It's been 10 out of 10. I now have this in, like, four decks, possibly? Yeah, I remember it's you targeting. I think it was my Quintorius. It might have been Quintorius or my Sun Titan. I remember you targeting mm. it with a creature and everyone just had to lob it in. And it's like, this is rude, but I get yeah. it. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. yeah, it's real good. The next one was just Shigeki Jukai Visionary. So one and a green for a 1-3 legendary enchantment creature, Snake Druid. And you could pay one and a green and tap it and return Shigeki to its owner's hand. You reveal the top four cards of your library, put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and put the rest into your graveyard. And then it has channel for double X and double green and discard Shigeki, return X target non-legendary cards from your graveyard to your hand. So I have this in Slogurk and I use this, play it early, and then, you know, tap and rent it back in order to, you know, self-mill and also ramp, which is great. They're two things that Slugurk wants to do. And then later, it's back in hand, so you can channel it to get back a bunch of things that you've milled over as well. So it's a lovely little engine like that. I've used it in conjunction with, like, Timeless Witness and Balagate Recovery and that kind of thing to be able to, like, chain together multiple recursion loops. It has just been a phenomenal little engine by itself. I am highly recommend trying it out. Yeah, I completely forgot this card existed when you brought it up. And right. I was like, oh yeah, I played against this in Kamigawa pre-release. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it is surprisingly, surprisingly good. Hard to keep up with all these cards at times. Right. Funny like that you mentioned that because I think the next card is actually one that has like slipped under the radar because yeah. people looked at it and were like, meh, whatever. Because they, they're like, oh, it's, it's just like it didn't stand out as being obviously broken at the time. It's not Varun Klex. Like the right. recent Orange Flex is a good example. Exactly. This is Urubras Keratic Praetor, the one from New Capenna. It's a 4 4 Phyrexian Praetor with haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library and you may play at this turn. And at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead exile the top card of their library and they may play at this turn. So people just looked at this and was like, oh, this is kind of just like a post siege or something, and it's whatever. Forcing your opponent's draw step to become an impulse draw. That's absurd. Unless they're drawing additional cards on top of that, it's basically use it or lose it. If they don't draw additional cards outside of their draw step in a turn, they effectively draw no cards. They have to use that card that's in exile then and there, that turn, or lose it. And that 
is bonkers, honestly. Like, I've put this in, surprise, surprise, this is in Lelia. Um, but like, oh my god, it's so powerful. So much so, I'm genuinely considering using Urbrask as a commander at some point in a different nice. deck. I'm <laughs> so considering good. putting this in Quintorius just because I like the Exile and I run a Lelia in mm-hmm. the main board, but just stifling people's like draws just feels too good. And plus, there's a 4 4 with haste. Mm-hmm. That's like a good threat for commander. Get, yeah. Get aggressive. Good chonker. Good, good chonker. <laughs> Speaking of good chonkers, the, the second last one I have is Bronze Guardian. This was from the Lorehold Precon. It is four and a white for a star five golem with double strike. It's an artifact. It has ward two, other artifacts you control of ward two, and then its power is equal to the number of artifacts you control. So I have this in Teshar. What I did was I had Teshar as very, very loop and combo focused for a long time. And then I realized I stopped playing it as much. And I was like, it's because it feels bad. Like when I'm playing with friends, I'm just sitting there playing with myself for like half an hour. And then people are like, do we have to watch this? It's a bit weird. Rather than do that, I just pulled out all those loops and stuff. Like there's still one or two, but it's like, it's very much a, oh, eventually we'll do this and it's deterministic and whatever. But instead started using things like Nettle Cyst, Michiko's Reign of Truth, all that kind of thing. And Bronze Guardian is one of them because it helps protect your other artifacts and stuff, which is nice if you want to try and combo off because of the ward two. But also you're playing with an a load of artifacts so this just becomes huge and it becomes a massive threat that's hard to deal with hard to interact with and it causes problems for everything else as well so i just think it's real good mm. also it helps artifact lands as well for many land destruction very true very true and then the final one i have here is from baldur's gate a uh, wind shaper plane tar so four and a white for a four four flash flying angel and when it enters the battlefield during the declare attackers step for each attacking creature you may reselect which player or planeswalker that creature is attacking so if everybody just flings their creatures at you like turns them all sideways and you're like well how about you all alpha strike someone else instead like that's that's bonkers Uh, actually no yeah actually no that person dies instead it's it's really really good i really love it i have this in probably the worst place that you could put it which is uh, my feather blink deck so if anyone attacks me i can just blink it and then reselect where they're attacking it's good it's pretty egregious um i don't mean to lock people out of combat but you know like i'll i'll do it if it's necessary you know Mm. but it feels good to be like oh you're coming at me no you're not it's very good no one expects this card like it's just because yeah right uncommon to play like you don't see it often at tables i have a theory about this kind of card right is that it has the stats like the the mana value and the stats of a creature that people couldn't be arsed reading it's not that it's too wordy it's not that it's like not good enough or whatever is it just looks like it's a boring creature it's like oh it's five mana it's a four four flash flyer it, like pff, it reminds whatever. me of some blast angel it's kind of like that it doesn't yeah, remove the just, creatures but like it just causes problems like the sort of the same know? effect like you flash it in it does something but people tend to overlook it so they don't respect it so but when they get blown out by it they remember it this 100 percent feels like the kind of card that like when someone hasn't played against it they just don't think about it but yeah. then when they've faced it and gotten blown out by it they're like wait what <laughs> this card exists you know it feels like that but yeah they are some cards for you. A little bit of value. If you want to try and put those into any deck, I would highly recommend them. But yeah, so to round everything out, um, we're going to do some Q&A, but just to sum things up. So the Pioneer Precons, four of them coming out. This is going to be cool. We're looking forward to seeing the lists. Hopefully they're going to have some good cards in them. Um, the next month, 
I am away next week, then Emma's away for the following three weeks, and somewhere in there on the 18th of July, check our Twitter, and we will have a giveaway, and expect some cool, interesting guests in the meantime as well. All right, so before I fall asleep, Emma, let's do some Q&A. <laughs> okay, so we have a question from May Keeble, who's a good friend of mine mm-hmm. who goes to Langdon Games, which is the LGS that is in Ipswich. And nice. they asked, Hi, what are your favourite budget bling options for Pauper? Well, budget bling, for me, like Pauper runs an awful lot of basics. You're either monocoloured or you just have a ton of basics. So the fact that all of the sets over the past like roughly two years or so have all had full art lands in them, mm. that is my favourite budget bling option because you can really start to add an identity to a deck and make it look really, really nice and basically pay nothing for it nearly. Yeah, I think so. my favourite ones is the, the uptick in like retro treatments, so like the retro mm-hmm. frames, which you get in like Time Spiral Remastered and Modern Horizons 2, where you get like your ephemerates, your mole drifters, that kind of thing. I really like the retro frames, so that's a nice touch. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, oh, I say I'm curious, also I'm probably going to pick up some from Double Masters as well, because you've got like mm. the, the Bounce Lands, uh, Borderless, Monastery, Swiss Spears, Secret of the Ways, and mole drifters yeah. and stuff. So there's a lot going on for people who just want to bling out their decks. And you can pick them up in non-foil, which is another important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Big fan of that. Um, mm. Got a question from Ev the Mage. Going off the BMCast Twitter meme as part of the Q&A, what has mm-hmm. been your favourite cycle of gods so far? Favourite cycle of gods? See, I'm not, I haven't been wild on most of the gods, really, because, like... I don't really like like for example the the air of devastation ones kind of irked me because the constantly recurring thing is like uh, it's not great. I kind of like the Theros gods both cycles but I'm also like I don't like that you're not a creature and that you're all just innately indestructible like you basically exist but can't be interacted with and I I'm not a fan of that. I like the idea of the Kaldheim gods where they're not indestructible really and that kind of thing and they, they do different things and all that sort of stuff and that, that like ties in well with the actual lore and the, the plane and all that sort of stuff. But I think, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think the Amonkhet ones are actually just my fave because they're just really good. Like I know that they're, are they all indestructible? They're all uh, indestructible. Yeah, yeah, they're all indestructible and the War of the Spark ones just tuck into your back into your deck. Yeah. Which is really annoying. Yeah. I hate that. It is. Agreed. Extremely annoying. I like the ones from original Amonkhet block because they have requirements in order for you to use them. Yeah. But they still existed and could be interacted with as though they were creatures. So you could, you know, hit them with a path or something. You couldn't do that with like Heliod or whatever. And they were mostly just pretty good. Like I know in standard Hazaret was like redonkulous, but like all the rest of them were just kind of, all right. You know? I saw some play, I believe. Uh, originally uh, I think that even mm. sort of playing like modern briefly in like stompy decks cause it's just a big threat for little yeah. mana so I agree with you I think the Amonkhet ones are probably my favourites I'm also going to cheat and say the demigods from Feral's Beyond Death yeah they're good too yep that Calafé like and um, etc just because they're not indestructible and obnoxious but they have a fun build around very true yep um, then we've got another question from Ep the Mage. They say, how likely do you think it is to see Boris Charm get downshifted for Pauper? Uh, I would say 0%. I would say same. I'd be mm. very, very, very surprised. And I would be like, huh, what does this do for Pauper? I think what it would do for Pauper is it would make Boros bullied like too good. 
We got Swiss because... now too, and it's just like. Yeah, like obviously, like people see Boris Charm and they go, "Oh, Burn, yeah," and like sure, but I don't think Burn would actually run Boris Charm because it wants untapped lands all the time, mm-hmm. and you're not going to run all basics. So you know, but with Boris Bully, like this just goes, "Oh, you have like board wipe or something? Like you have a way to actually deal with the main problem that I cause?" Well, now they're all indestructible. And you know what? Also, my protection spell can now just end the game. It's like I have another four Galf blasts in my deck or something. Like, yeah. I, I think it would be too good. Also, double yeah. strike is just great as well. Yeah, seeker of the way, double strike, yeah. get wrecked. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I hope it doesn't get downshifted because it's just like, I think it would do quite a lot to pauper. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a question from Zach LW from the Discord. Uh, they say, "What do you think will be in the new Pioneer precons?" So, and they say, mm. are you excited? So yes, we're excited because we covered about it yes. earlier, but we're just going to speculate on what we'd like to see in a little more depth. Mm. Um, so honestly, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not excited by the Grill Sampy one because that's just like my least favorite concept for a deck yeah. in a competitive format. Gruel Stompy is like, ugh, whatever. It just feels real boring, you know? Or of humans, I kind of like this idea. I would like for it to be like a bit, taxing but also aggressive so like what's the guy kudro general kudro and that yeah. kind of thing having like that kind of thing plus like baby thalia and that kind of thing would be uh kind of where i'd hope to go with that and in the demir control just want to see more reprints of like thing in the ice and Holebreaker horror and that kind of thing and yeah Autry graves would be nice yes the lands I, yeah that's what i the want the lands to i think is like historically with these sort of challenges decks you get like one shop land sometimes mm-hmm. um or some of like the the check lands like the isolated chapel glacial fortress deal um yeah. but no given that these are all two colors i just want to see some good fixing yeah a couple of shocks would be nice spy buff canal as i said earlier and is it phoenix would be sweet because that card is just skyrocketed yeah I'd be happy to see like Dark Slick Shores, that kind of stuff in the Pioneer Demir Control great. deck. You know, if they just illegal. YOLO put it in and be like, yeah, we've actually just made the Fastlands all legal. That you know? would be awesome. Yeah. But no, I'm excited. I'm always looking forward to seeing the lists and mm-hmm. hopefully there's just some value in there for people to, you know, actually build these decks. Um, and then we got a question from Joe Cheney. Um, mm-hmm. So they just referenced a question from Mark Rosewater's Blogger Talk. And mm-hmm. the question is. Assuming Strixhaven Mystical Archives were popular enough to warrant a repeat, I hope they are, you know, they're a big fan of it, how often would something like the Mystical Archives occur? Would you want to see it once a year or less often? How do you feel about these, like, reprints into standard sets? What do you think? I like them. To be honest, I'm a fan of them because it just gives a little bit of flavour to the set. Mm. And I think we'll probably see it in the Brothers War old with like choice artifacts so we'll see a mishra's bauble in that sort of treatment because it's going to be about mishra and Elsa. that's my sort of not scolding hot take but just a that's something i'd like to see okay i personally love this i love the mystical archive stuff i love all of the alternate versions of cards that already exist when it comes to cards there's sort of two main gripes that people have is that like there there are too many cards being printed like new unique cards being printed and there's too many versions of cards right when it comes to too many unique cards being printed i kind of get it like we discussed last week there's been a huge influx a huge influx there's been a massive spike and it's basically just been on the up constantly and like i get that that can be a lot even for us creators right but 
when it comes to different versions of cards do it in every set every single set that comes out have alternate nice cool awesome sweet different ways to do it why because there's different versions that come out and it'll cater to different tastes it will help reduce the cost of the regular versions that's all a win and we also just get nice cool game pieces like no one's obligated to buy them not a single person is obligated to buy them but the option for them to be there yeah i'll take it absolutely why would i not it also pays more artists because they're paying more artists to make more art so in my opinion it's kind of a win-win like i know it's a very much like oh capitalism consume bye 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 but like also (laughs) people are getting paid for it so yeah yeah i agree um and also you can just ban the cars in arena for like historic and stuff which you've done with the strict saving ones anyway (laughs) but yeah i'm a big fan of them and i really hope we see it in like brothers war because that is like a his like it's got a lot of history there's a lot of lore in there so it'd be cool to see some old artifacts in these sets like a mistress bauble and it needs a reprint yeah i think i think you're onto something there i have a weird feeling that they're going to have like you know special versions of like ridiculously expensive artifacts and stuff that are only going to be available in like the collector boosters and then they're going to cost like 200 dollars a piece (laughs) yeah that's the the capitalist side of these things that i'm fearing (laughs) yeah stairs at double masters (laughs) oh no Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Monsoon Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman and Paul Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>